Thank you, Aaron. For those of you that are visiting, the last few weeks we've been looking at the book of Revelation where Jesus talks about the Laodicean church and that the church was neither hot nor cold. It represents the church just before Jesus comes. And he said he wished that the church was either hot or cold. But because it is not hot or cold, what did Jesus say would happen? Be spewed out of his mouth. His mouth is a part of the body, the body of Christ. We don't want to be spewed out of the body of Christ, do we? It's important that we're a part of it. Well, we're looking at various things that would possibly get us spewed out of the body of Christ. And one area that we need to look at is because there's a fight that's going on between law and grace. Some people emphasize the law. The other people say, no, 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 no. You don't emphasize the law. You emphasize the grace of Jesus Christ. And so there's a battle that's taking place. Well, there really shouldn't be a battle because I almost thought instead of putting the boxers up there that I would put a pair of pants. If I had a pair of pants and I put it on, and if I put both legs into one leg of the pants, I would have a hard time walking, wouldn't I? If I put myself only in law or put myself only in grace, I have a hard time walking in my Christian experience. They go hand in hand like the pair of pants, that I have to put one in one area and one in the other area, and it's all brought together and you can move smoothly. So we've got to look at, at the law and grace because there are people that says, and you've heard them, that says that I am justified uh, of my past sins and I stand before God free because I'm standing there in the grace of God. You know what? They're right. I have been justified, called justification by faith. I also believe by faith that Jesus' sinless, perfect life is counted to me as being my righteousness. Now, my righteousness is as horrible, filthy rags to God, but the righteousness of Christ, because he was perfect, is the, is the robe that he places upon me, and my horrible sins are counted to Jesus as if he had committed those sins. We looked at that in the last few weeks. And he took upon himself the entire wrath of God against sin. That's called righteousness by faith. And because I'm justified by Jesus and I wear his robe of righteousness, I have been given the ultimate gift, and that ultimate gift is eternal right. Am I, am I correct? That's what we've been looking at. But that's only one side of the picture. I've, we've got to get the balance, or it'll be hard for us to go in our Christian walk. Let's take a look at 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. Just kind of a review. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. This tells me, we can learn from this, that we have eternal life. I can know it because of Jesus. Not because of me, but because of Jesus. But it also says in 1 John 5, verses 10 and 11, He believes in the Son, 
of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe in God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and that life is in his son. Okay, so God has given us eternal life and I praise him for that. I don't I don't dispute that at all. I need that. Now, because he has given to us eternal life, by the way, that passage was in the in the past tense means it happened back when Jesus was on the cross. It's something that Jesus has already accomplished and we didn't earn it at all. It's amazing that it says in Steps to Christ on page 72 that we should not indulge anxiety and fear as to whether we shall be saved. I, I've run across a lot of people that sit there and they just wring their hands. Oh man, I hope I'm saved. I hope I'm saved. I hope I'm saved. I'm saved because of Jesus Christ. I've got eternal life in Jesus because of his righteousness, because he has justified me, not because I've earned it. But we've got to look at this danger. This danger because we've got to look at this because if we don't look at it and get the balance, we can be shaken out. Because a lot of people believe in just the righteousness part, and rightly so, then they conclude that they have the license to be able to sin. I am righteous in Jesus because of what he has done, so it doesn't matter what I do after that. I can go out and sin and do whatever I want to, and it's authorized by the Almighty God, and it's okay. Is it just me? That almost sounds contradictory. Does that mean that I have the license to be able to sin? We're studying the book of Romans in our Sabbath school, and I hope that you come and study the book of Romans because it's very important. But in Romans 6, verse 15, he says, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? And Paul says, Certainly not. It doesn't give us a license to sin because we're under grace. Paul was anticipating that the Christians in Rome would hear his teaching by righteousness, by faith, and feel like they can now just throw out the law and they can do whatever they want to because I'm saved by grace and grace only. And the law means absolutely nothing. The problem is is that there's a lot of people today that says that we're no longer under the law, that it was nailed to the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, the law was, was done away with. And that righteousness by faith has set us free from the, from, the, from the law itself. But Peter says in reality, in 2 Peter 2.19, that you're actually slaves of corruption by this teaching. Here's our problem today. Even though we may have raised our sons and daughters to be in the church, a lot of them are coming up and they're, sa they're telling us, we're saved by grace. We don't want to believe in the law anymore. So I don't have to keep the Sabbath. I don't have to do anything that the law tells me to do. We used to have a, a member here whose, whose child um, grew up in the church um, they uh, 
went to our schools. They had worship at home. They had a wonderful Christian life. But in their adult years, they came to a point where they said, Okay, Mom, I'm saved by grace, but law is done away with. It's been nailed to the cross, and I no longer have to keep it. And they spend each week when the parents, the Adventist parents, goes to their house, they spend a whole Sabbath afternoon trying to share with them why they're crazy to keep the law. They're just not seeing the whole picture. So it is, it's hitting our own homes today, this fight between law and grace. And some of you know what we're talking about. Look what it says in Romans 3, verse 28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. That's true. That's how I'm justified. But here's where a lot of people jump to the conclusion they jump to the conclusion that Paul is saying that the law is no longer necessary. It's a part of the what they say the old covenant. And we're under the new covenant now. Well, they've been deceived in their theology. The same writer who wrote Romans, which is Paul, wrote also to the church of in Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians 2, verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Now, if you have the King James, it says a little different. And in the Greek, it's a different. It's the man of lawlessness, which means not having the law referring to God's law. So Paul is saying that we got to be careful because there is an influence that is going to come into the world and this influence is going to happen before Jesus comes and this man of lawlessness is going to be revealed. Now look at verse 9 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. The coming of the lawless one, lawless one, is according to the working of whom? This is not God's teaching. This is the teaching of Satan. When you do away with the law, it is the influence of the devil himself. It is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. So it has all of his power and signs and lying wonders back behind this teaching that keeps creeping into the church. This lawless one, according to you, is to go back to verse 4 of, of the same chapter, this lawless one who is the one who desires worship. We're talking about a spiritual influence. This is just not coming up and saying, I'm Satan and here's what I want you to believe. This is through the disguise of coming in as this person is someone who believes in Christ. This influence is a Christian influence. This influence is a teaching that does not come directly from God, but it comes directly from the devil itself. Now, since the cross, there has always been attempts to nullify the law of God. If we can do away with God to say that we no longer need the law, 
And to put in there that we're saved by grace, and we are saved by grace, but if we can get rid of the law, then this is the, 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 the line influence that the devil has. The Apostle Paul anticipated that such a thing would happen. Romans 5, verses 19 through Romans 6, verse 1. For as by one man's disobedience, we're talking about Adam, back in the Garden of Eden, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience. Whose obedience is this talking about? Jesus, okay. By his obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, because the law helps point out sin, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign. So through the righteousness of Jesus Christ, through righteousness to eternal life, through Jesus Christ our Lord, is is what we have. What shall we say then? Is what Paul is saying. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And again he says, certainly not. So Paul says that the Antichrist is teaching Something that looks spiritual, looks Christian, but it really isn't. Go to Matthew 22, verses 37 to 39. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You've heard this before, right? Many people who just emphasize grace, they say, now see, this is the new law. The old one's been done away with. This is the new law, that the, the new covenant that I abide by, is that I'm to love God, and I love him. And I'm to love my neighbor as myself, and so that's what I need to do. Nothing else. John 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give you. Jesus is speaking again. That you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. So, love God. Love man. That's the New Testament teaching. The Old Testament teaching has been done away with. Is this what Jesus said? A New Testament teaching. Jesus is not introducing something new. When Jesus said those things, he was actually quoting from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, and Leviticus 19, verse 18. If this was something totally new, Jesus wouldn't be quoting from the Old Testament, would he? But Jesus is quoting from the Old Testament. Go to 2 John. There's no chapter but the verse. 2 John verse 5. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. He's not teaching a new commandment. Now see, John who wrote this was with Jesus back then. 
John, who wrote this, is, is basically saying it's not a new commandment because Jesus was quoting the Old Testament. It's not something new. It's been there all along, clear from the beginning. The problem is, is that God's people lost sight of the fact that God's law is a law of love. They kept the law in the days of, of Jesus. They kept the law to try to be acceptable by God. They used it as a method of salvation. They used it as a measurement of their righteousness to be able to say, look how good I am. Their focus was on self. Their focus was really not on others or upon God. So when Jesus says, I'm giving to you a new commandment, what he's saying is, I'm giving to you a new concept of what's been there all along. And this concept is that the law is not a means of salvation. The law actually is the law of love. To be able to show you love. Second John, verse 6. This is love. That we walk according to his what? Commandments. This is the commandment that you have heard from the beginning and you should walk in it. The same writer also wrote this. The Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus speaking, he's saying, If you love me, that's Jesus, keep my commandments. And then he wrote this, John 14, verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, Jesus speaking here, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Do you know what manifest means? To be near at hand. You want the closeness of Jesus within your life? He's saying if you want that, it is by keeping the commandments, the commandments of love. It reveals the love of God by our obedience to His commands. It reveals our love for God because of the obedience to His command. Not that it saves me, but it shows that I love Him. John 15, verses 12 to 14. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Look at this. Jesus kept the commandments perfectly. That's why he was righteous. Because of that, and because he was willing to go to the cross and to die for us, it reveals his love. And then he says, if you recognize how much I really sacrificed for you and you love me for that, you will reveal that love by keeping my commandments, just like I did. Jesus' life. He kept the law perfectly. 
He loved his father by keeping the first four commandments. That's how he showed to the world that he loved God the Father. But then as he reached out to other people in his ministry here on this earth, he revealed his love for them by keeping the last six commandments. And then he sealed this love by dying on the cross. And he's saying, what greater love can you expect? Because of Jesus' love, I want to show my love to Him, my appreciation for what He's done by keeping the commandments by the power of His Holy Spirit. And it's that Spirit that now lives in me. Not that it's going to save me, it's to reveal my love for Him. Second John Verse 6, this is love that we walk according to His commandments. If I do away with the commandments, I do away with love. Does that make sense? He revealed His love to me by being righteous. I reveal my love to Him by keeping the commandments by His power, that He is the ruler of my life to learn to be prepared to be a citizen of heaven. We're going to be expected to keep the law in heaven because that is the law of heaven. Romans 13, verses 8 through 10. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments... You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in the saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Those commandments that gave were the last six of the Ten Commandments. But I thought the commandments, they say, was nailed to the wall. It's a revelation of how to be able to to reach out and to love others. That doesn't mean that love replaces the law. It is the essence of the law. Can you claim to love God if you serve another God or more than one God's? Can you claim to love God by taking his name in vain or by worshiping idols or by forgetting to worship on the day that he created to be worshipped upon? If I did anything, if I blocked any of those because I don't keep the law, I'm blocking love, my appreciation for him. And because of that appreciation, he wants me to go out and he wants me to treat others just the way Jesus would treat them, and I would to keep the other six. So are you loving others when you lie and steal or when you covet the things that they own or by stealing their, their spouse and committing adultery? That's not love. John 15, verse 9. As the Father loved me, Jesus said, I also loved you. Abide in my love. If I am to abide in the love of Jesus, they told me, the Bible says, that the law is really a sign of love. If I am to abide 
in the love of Jesus, I am to abide in the law. Why? Because I have been saved by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I have eternal life. Now, the love doesn't doesn't give me eternal life. I already have it in Jesus. It took place on the cross. But what I have is now a revelation of how much I really love him by keeping his law. John 15, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. That's to stay in his love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus knew that some would claim the law has been abolished. He knew that the lawless one was to come. Many believe in cheap grace. Cheap grace is that I am saved, but they only have half the picture. If I realized I'm saved by Jesus, I have no right to go out and to do whatever I want to because that cheapens the whole thing. I am going to reveal to him how much I love him by keeping his commandments. It's time that we as a denomination must uplift the law of God. Not because it will save us, but because it is a demonstration of our love. I have been covered by the righteousness of Jesus. I have been redeemed because of the righteousness of Jesus. I have been justified to be able to stand before the command, before the judgment scene of heaven. Not that I'm standing there, but Jesus stands there in my place. And he says, look, the way that he is or she is down there on that earth has revealed to me that they really love me because they are keeping my commandments different than the rest of the world. And I stand here in the judgment saying, it's because of my righteousness they are saved. I need to be covered with his life. Let's take our hymnal and turn to hymn number 412.